Man, I swear to God, somebody's just going to get in an accident. All the times we've heard someone just go, Screech! Yeah. Without an accident. I'm surprised. Shocked. Frightened. Scared. All at the same time. I'm more shocked that you're still talking to yourself. <laughs> Let's just, I can hear myself in stereo, stereo, stereo. Actually, not, no, not, no, I can't, because I, I can only hear out of my left ear. It's mono. Mono e mono. <laughs> You're actually surprised I'm still talking to myself. <laughs> have you met me before? I have. I'm sorry. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 41 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we are going to be talking about how to get the most out of film school. But first, Alex, any surprise in what we're drinking today? No. None. None whatsoever. At all. It's Miller. If you're hoping. <laughs> Guys, guess what? It's Miller. It's Miller time, baby. Um, no no surprises on my end. Uh, no surprises on Alex's end. Uh, we like our Miller, but we're at the ends of it, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know if I want that. Uh, what do they say? Corn syrup in it? <laughs> uh, maybe we'll go uh, Modelo. Oh, dude, I'd go with some Modelo with a little lime. Mm. Do we have limes? They may be old They're and probably destroyed. like rocks at this point. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, we'll we'll uh, figure something else out. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be good for my slingshot. You know what? We have lime juice. That's right. Yes, that, and that never goes bad. Never. <laughs> Never, because it's not real limes. It's not, it's not real. It's actually just water and salt. Yeah, and uh, if, if uh, science has taught me anything, water and salt never are bad. No. So, um, yeah. Plus, if you crush up some sour... Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Tart candies. Okay, wow. That's where we're going. All right. You get uh, lime juice that never goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like, it's like honey. It's like the honey of fruit. It's like huni. It's like CUNY. It's like CUNY. Um, all right, guys. So, well, what's new with us? Alex, what is new? Uh, let's see. Well, I rediscovered mm. um, the eight sequences method, idea, okay. theory, okay. proposal when it comes to um, screenwriting. I did so. It was lost. It was lost by me to you. in my foggy cobweb brain. <laughs> foggy turtle. Um, I get it. It was rediscovered by me when I purchased a book in doing some research for our uh, proposal mm-hmm. called Scenclopedia. Scenclopedia. Um, horror edition. Yeah. Every scene of 25 horror feature films. And what the author does is break it down based on the eight-sequence method, as it were. Um, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, I've heard of this before. In fact, I <laughs> I learned about this in my screenwriting classes, and I have a book about it. And uh, so I decided to adopt that for uh, things going forward until I find something else that I like, only because, for me, it seems to make a little bit a little bit more sense. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, I would say that after you reintroduced me to it as well, it helps really well. You really can just like lay it all out pretty easily, um, and I like it. Yeah, um, I know it's um, you know, 
it's somewhat symmetrical, which I think people dislike. It's not even somewhat. It's incredibly symmetrical. I mean, it's sequential. <laughs> yeah. Sequences. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in that it's like, you know, first act is 30 minutes. Second act is 60 minutes. Third act is 30 minutes. You know, and it's broken up into halves. You basically Pretty- like split everything in half over and over again. And then you get like the sequences. Yeah. The scenes. I think you split them some other in more than half because three acts split into halves would be six. No, but if you have an act two part one, one and, two. and part two. Wah, wah, wah. Yep, that's it. That's, split the, it. that's the secret, guys. You have to have the uh, – Yeah. The uh, – that, that's it. That, you, you split part act two because the midpoint of act two or the end of – Part one of Act Two is basically your midpoint of this. This the midpoint of the story, the, story. the climax, all that stuff. So that's, it's not the climax. But no, that's yes. true. That's right. It's not the climax, but it's, it's the, the midpoint, the, of, the the midpoint story. of the story. So you can split Act Two into two parts, and that's how you get your four sequences. So Act uh, eight sequences. You get Act One, two sequences. Act Two, Part One, two sequences. Act Two, Part Two, two sequences, and Act Three, two sequences. Correct. So that's like the main eight sequences, and then you continue to divide from there to yeah. get like your full outline. Man, am um, I sleep deprived if I just said that the climax of the story happens in the middle of Act oh Two? I need to sleeps. I need oh to God. sleeps so bad. Um, so anyway, that's very interesting. I would recommend it. The book. I mean, it's a little. It's kind of funny. I mean, I've been. I thought uh, funny, ha ha, funny. No, it's just kind of <laughs> odd. It's like an odd book. You wouldn't necessarily expect to exist, but it's because it's basically just outlines of movies. Yeah, um, based on watching the movie. It's not even like based on the script. It's like based on the movie itself, how it turned out. But we, I mean, we also had that with um, Save the Cat goes to the movies, uh, where and Save the Cat is kind of the the method that we used before. Yes, um, but that book is uh, a lot more sort of like explanation of things. This is just like literally outlines. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I did like – I looked at the book briefly when Alex brought it in. It is basically outlines and just breaks it down. It doesn't There's say like, like – maybe two pages of some kind of explanations and stuff, but – It's pretty uh, – It's pretty – which I like because like the Save the Cat goes to the movies. It's good, mm-hmm. but it's not organized in such a way that I um, – well, first of all, the Save the Cat uh, beat sheet is – it's not confusing. It's just like it's hard to remember off the top of your head. Yes, it's complex. And maybe that's maybe that's good because then you have a complex script. But to remember it off the top of your head and to like – if you want to write a script or outline a script, you know, on the fly, not easy to remember. No, and I would always – I would have the beat sheet and then um, – Need to like look up what the sections are again because I'm like, oh yeah, what is what is the uh, fun and games or whatever? <laughs> what happens there? Because I never know. You know, yeah, and also because it's all named cleverly, it's like, wait a second, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember how clever this one was. Yeah, uh, I kind of forget. Um, so yes, yeah, so Alex has been discovering that we're working on. Uh, you know, I mean, that leads us to our next what's new. We're, uh, you know, we're finishing up our proposal. Um, and instead of trying to stretch our ideas to fit, kind of put, instead of trying to hammer a square peg in a round hole with two of our movies, um, we have brought on our friends and they have had some movies in the past that we've read and talked to them about. And they're going to come along board on this wonderful journey of ours. Um, yes. So we've got three ideas for us. We've got an idea from one of our friends and an idea from another one of our friends. 
um, and we're kind of packaging it all together. Uh, so that's a new in, in, in improved package. We've had, <laughs> I need all the help I can with my package. Um, <laughs> yes, but uh, yes. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, this is where as we talk about film school today. This is these are two guys we are, became friends with in, in film school. I actually met Alex through both these guys. Um, that's correct. And so they are coming on board. We are shelving two of our ideas because they really don't, really not perfect for this, and we want this to be a perfect proposal. Uh, so we yeah. can uh, lead us to our next what's new. And what's that, Alex? Uh, getting ready to get money. <laughs> so much money. I have no idea if this is actually going to happen. But, you know, we have – would you say that we're um, – I don't know. For me, this is the most confident I've felt in a package that we've sent out. Just but not only from how we've put it together and how you've done a lot of the research. Alex has done a hell of a lot of research on this. I thank him for that. Um, but also the people that we're going to send this to. Um, you know, we've know we've met some new people. Um, we've sent proposals in the past just randomly, but now we know some people that kind of could get behind this and really push forward with it. Yeah, and one of the reasons I like it. So I've made a bunch of business plans before for like films and stuff. Uh, he also made a uh, business plan for Pet Potato, but it died after two months, um, and yeah. it didn't go very far. Yeah, um, but that yeah. was probably your strongest wow. proposal. Uh, wow. Uh, pet potato was my pet potato <laughs> I project. Even look, you want to say that? Why did I come up with pet potato? <laughs> Alex used to always just cut up and deep fry all the prototypes, so it never yeah. really went anywhere. It was hard to come up with pet potato names for all of them. <laughs> my favorite was Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> this has got to go in a script sometime. It's about somebody's failed. Uh, what was that movie? Envy, where that guy, where Jack Black checked. Kept trying to invent things and get rich quick schemes, and then he came up with a thing that made poop disappear, <laughs> dog right. poopers disappear. Yeah, I feel like that would be perfect. I in like there. that all of our ideas have to do with potatoes. Like, my <laughs> idea is sponge tato, <laughs> which is a sponge made out of potato that you can use to clean your grill and then you eat it. <laughs> I mean, that's what they recommend you clean your grill with. So, I don't know how groundbreaking that idea is, but. <laughs> Actually, what you do is you just clean your grill, and if you forget it on there, two hours later, you have a perfectly grilled potato. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You clean it, and then you eat it. <laughs> I don't know if you can eat it right after cleaning it. It doesn't get hot enough or cooked enough. You don't You don't have your grills hot enough, turns out. <laughs> my package isn't big enough, and my grill isn't hot enough. <laughs> Story of my life. Um, finally, what's new? A shout-out to Rachel Drummond. She sent us a very wonderful message the other day. Um, that she was, as a new filmmaker, she was appreciating the podcast. So now we have three people that like this podcast. My mom, <laughs> Alex's mom, and Rachel Drummond. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for the shout-out. We appreciate those messages all the time. Makes us think that we're actually doing something with this rather than just sitting around drinking and uh, laughing our asses off. Yes, correct. Uh, so thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. Um, and so on to the main topic. Now, we've talked about in the past, uh, should you go to film school or should you not? Right, Alex? Yes, we have. I believe so. Um, we, <laughs> <laughs> if, Man, I, if memory serves me. If the uh, No Budget podcast tells me anything right, if yes. the... Uh, yep, yep, we um, did it. Yep, we did it. Um, so now, you know, me and Alex are a little skewed in this, but we both went to film school. That's where we met. Yeah, uh, we sure. went to the best film school in the whole land. Um, so they say. So they say. On their brochure <laughs> and all throughout the tour. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so 
So, you know, you've weighed the options of going to film school or not going to film school, and you've decided to go to film school. <laughs> Turn back now. Don't do it. Um, no. <laughs> but so we want to talk to you about what kind of to get yourself in the mindset of what you're going to get out of it, what you should prepare for, um, what to expect, what not to expect, and then talk about what we would have done differently in going to film school. Yeah. Um, so starting off with how to prepare for film school. So, you know, this could be your uh, – a high school senior about to go into uh, college as a freshman, or also a lot of people that I knew in film school, they did an undergrad somewhere in something completely different and then uh, became a graduate student in the film school. Um, and that was yeah. a little different. Um, that was a little different than what we experienced. So, you know, we don't well, want to say this is how it all is. There's my experience, which is I was not in the film school for most of my college experience. Me too. I would say that I was as well. I was planning so. on it, but I just, you know, didn't get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then we'll talk about those distractions that made us so we didn't get around to it. But uh, yes. Um, um, yeah. So preparing beforehand. Yeah. Um, I think it's always good. To well, I I used to be a Boy Scout. So. Did you really? No, I only got the Cub Scouts. I, I was. Me a- too. I was gonna say, <laughs> God, you're much more improved than I am because I only got Cub Scouts. Uh, were you a wee below? No, no, I don't even know what that is. Is uh, that an animal? That's the top of the Cub Scouts. No, it's not. Yes, it is. That's a to- that's a children's toy that doesn't fall over. <laughs> Man, we we're coming up with somebody so many good, so many good inventions here. Uh, no, it's a wee below. Uh, we blow is the top of the Cub Scouts. Oh, I think I probably made it to Wolf, which is, I think, the second mm, tier or something. Excellent. Uh, or maybe Bear. I don't know. I don't yeah, know what they are. Let's see. There's the Lion Badge, Bobcat, Tiger, Wolf, and Bear Badges, then the Wee Below Scouts. Oh, yeah. I think I got to Wolf. Yeah, I think I got to about. I don't know. <laughs> I, I dropped yeah, off no quickly. Idea. Yeah, yep. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I like to be prepared okay. for things. Yeah. Um. So. I think it it could be good to do, you know, as, I mean, when we started, there wasn't as much opportunity as there is now to sort of get a little ahead in certain things. Yeah. Um, so, like, for me, it was basically like going to the library, watching, like, Movie Magic, the TV mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. or, like, watching behind-the-scenes DVDs. Yeah. And reading, like, Movie Maker Magazine or, like, yeah. other magazines and stuff and trying to get as much info as I possibly could about filmmaking and what it's like and all that kind of stuff before I, I jumped in. Yeah, and I would say that people who are like making the decision to go to film school probably already had that have that like passion for it. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a little different. Um, I probably talked about this before. Uh, my parents had an old handy cam. Um, it was an RCA. It wasn't the one that used the full tapes, but it was like the bigger tape, the bigger small tape, I guess you could say. It wasn't like a mini DV or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and it's I like remember a high eight. Yeah, but it was like thicker than that. It was, I don't know, it was a weird, yeah. Like a beta? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, something like that. But it was, it was like a high eight size, but a thicker size. Uh, Maybe it was just specific to RCAs. Um, But I remember using that when I was in middle school. I did a claymation video. Um, And then from then on, I just was kind of always doing videos for my uh, projects in school. And then my aunt got, she won a, like a drawing that she got a, um, a handy cam that had FireWire, so you could control from your computer. Yeah, and I remember one Christmas my parents bought me and my brother each a computer, and I had the option to upgrade the graphics card to one of those. 
ATI All in Wonders. Oh. Because oh. I remember sitting in middle school and somebody did a video on Avid. And I was like, what is Avid? Like, and they had great it had titles and all this. I was like, what the hell is all this? How do you do this? And so that just kind of sparked my interest. And I got the All in Wonders, so I was able to plug in RCA and Firewire. And I just, that was off to the races. So I was doing videos. I did a, like a, uh, I did, had a class called Theory of Knowledge and we did a report on like, do video games cause violence? So I reenacted uh, Grand Theft Auto. I mean, I was doing, I was shooting stuff all the time. I shot music videos for my friends. So that was kind of the, like my intro to film school. It was like, oh, I can do this for a career. Like, I love doing this. I'll spend my weekends and free time doing this. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I, go ahead. I think, um, like jumping off of that, if you some people might think it would be strange or like unnecessary to take, let's say, like a an editing course or like a yeah. cinematography cinematography course online before you're going to film school. But I actually think if you if you know you're interested in one of those areas, it's probably a good idea to do something like that. Only because once you're there, um, you have all these resources, you have these professors. And if you go in knowing a little bit already, uh, you'll get way more out of it in the end. Yeah. Um, versus starting from scratch and not like kind of hitting walls and like not really knowing what questions to ask or or how to move forward. Yeah. So I think for me, I would have if I had the option, which I didn't. But if I had the option, I would have probably done something like that. Yeah, it's it's. I remember this is super random. Um, I remember when I was back, I think for a summer in college, there was this kid who was lived in my neighborhood, and we had this like event at a park that my parents were throwing, and he was an actor, and um, he actually. Who's the kid from uh, Hunger Games? Josh Groban. <laughs> God, we're on fire tonight. <laughs> Josh Hutcherson. Um, yeah, yeah. So he was. Right. Um, he was actually in a lot of auditions with Josh Hutcherson and Hutchinson and uh, or Hutcherson. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, know. J H. Um, Hutcherson. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what it is. And he was actually. He was actually in a bunch of movies. He was actually had a star role in this really weird movie about this kid who gets caught into like a fantastical, fantastical uh, circus or something like that. He was a star of it and all that, and he was like second to Josh Hutcherson for like uh, Hunger Games and stuff like that. So he was, you know, well on his career as an actor than I was as a filmmaker. But he, him, and his mom had talked to me because they talked to my parents about. He wanted to sp- take this premium course at UCLA for screenwriting. And I was like, you know, I remember telling him, I was like, hey, you know, I wouldn't necessarily pay that much for a screenwriting course because you're going to get the same as you would out of any other course unless you're there in person. Like, you yeah. know, talking with the, the, the professor and really in-depth and all that stuff. So don't think you have to take like a premium course or an expensive course f- for screenwriting. Um, just to you know, get your feet wet. Um, not nece- not necessary at all. Right. But but learn as much as you can, any way you can. Yes. And no. then uh, also along with that, and along with what you were saying, I think um, practicing, but doing so in such a way that is more than just running around with your friends doing the same things that you always do. 
because again, like when I was a kid or like younger in middle school and high school, I would make videos and stuff, but I wasn't thinking of it from the perspective of like, I'm going to make a film necessarily. We were like making class projects. We were uh, just shooting funny things. Uh, but I didn't necessarily have the foresight to say, you know what? I want to see how I can make these better by doing these like techniques and like practicing them or like I want, I didn't think about like, um, camera movements or like composition yeah. and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I definitely didn't think about any of that when I was shooting my stuff. I was just like, I was thinking a little bit about editing. Maybe that's why I got into editing, yeah. but I was thinking about like how things could edit together and stuff like that. But I definitely wasn't thinking of like composition or anything like that. Yeah. So I think if you do a little bit of practice and a little bit more mindful practice, um, to sort of propel your skills forward, uh, that would be something that you could do to prepare because once you get into film school, you're going to be asked to do that all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it can be pretty rough if you have to do like a project every week or something and, and, uh, you are not used to that kind of stuff and then you're getting critiqued by people. And so then you feel all self-conscious because, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. just one of those things. So I definitely think you should, uh, go about it that way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then also think about what you have to say that's unique. I mean, I know that when I was, you know, for USC at least, applying for film school, you had to write an essay and all that and create a character and all that. And I created the most generic, like stupid character that I ever have because I didn't have my voice. I was like, you know, I'm going to be unique and like, oh, there's this, I don't even remember what it was. It was just really like cheesy as shit and not unique at all and I thought I was being so clever um, and that's because I did, hadn't I still think I'm <laughs> unique and clever when I'm obviously not um, but that was just me like thinking not really having my voice or not knowing what I wanted to say in terms of uh, a character or uh, a film or even a short yeah exactly and I think um, that can be something that you obviously will continue to find and grow yeah. as you're going through college and then even after. Um, but it's definitely something to think about before you even get there. Like what types of films do you want to make? Like what uh, styles do you like? Like what are your favorite movies and why? And how have those influenced you? Uh, and what can you pull from them to create your own style? Yeah. The more you can get into, you can be ready into film school and like be ahead of the curve and just, you know, know what you, kind of films you want to make, um, have made a couple things or at least research a couple things or written some things, the better. Uh, it it yeah. can't hurt. Um, you may come off as like some like know it all asshole, but in the long run, um, it's just going to help you. Yeah. Here's a here's a question I never uh -oh. thought about until okay. just now. Okay, wow. <laughs> before um before you got into film school, uh-huh. Had you ever written a script in that proper script format? You know, my cousin who lives out here now, Ben, you know him. Yes, I do. Um he I think I was in high school and I had made some I had started making films with him. And he wrote a script and he sent it to me, and I read it. Now, and, and this is why I was still in high school. I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." And then I had talked to my friends who I always shot my video, my films with, and my videos with, and we had talked about like making, like 
writing a script or ideas we had for stuff. And so I had started writing a script. Um, I don't even remember. I rem- oh man, I forget what it even was about. Um, because it wasn't perfect format. Like it was like double parentheses for actions. It was not great. Um, but I started writing one. Um, just being like, yeah, this would be cool. This would be fun. Yeah. Um, because I had, I had done creative writing all throughout, uh, Middle school and high school. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Let me guess you're on the debate team, yeah. too. Uh, captain um, <laughs> of the fourth team, team, of the fourth place team. Uh, no, but I, so I had done creative writing and I always, you know, because I liked filming, I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll take a stab at writing a script. How about you? No, I never did. Okay. Um, I mean, I wrote things. Yeah. For the videos that I did. Dear Diary. Yeah. I wrote a lot of Dear Diary yeah. uh, entries gotcha. uh, that I then uh, dissolved with my own <laughs> tears. But uh, I never wrote like an action. I didn't even, I, had, I don't think I even like looked up or had even read a script prior to being in film school, which is hilarious. Um, yeah. I don't know if I had read one except for my cousins, which is probably a bad idea before I start go writing one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had read because I did acting, so I yeah. I read um, plays, yeah, and stuff like that. But I I, did, I don't think I was aware of like the screenwriting format and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know why. I just thought about that. It was very, yeah, I mean, very interesting. Like like there's there's free software out there that you guys could do to start, and it will automatically format for you. Yeah, and you know. Read scripts. There's another thing to prepare. We didn't even mention that. Read scripts. There's Read scripts. Script. Uh, there's script sites all out, the, all over the place that you can just go and download scripts and read them of your favorite movies and kind of, um, you know, get an idea of how they uh, they kind of put the script into screen. And I always, when I was younger, I wanted to start this, and then as I got older, I wanted to do that too. I wanted to take a movie that I hadn't seen yet and taking the screenplay and read the screenplay and then put my director notes down, like how I would direct the scene and compose the shots and edit it together and all that. And then do that for the whole movie and then go watch the movie for the first time and kind of compare my notes to how, what they actually did. Yeah. Um, and that I always thought was a great way to see, like not to saying that your way is wrong that you wrote down, but just to see like, you know, people who are professional, how they went about doing it. Um, just to give you a better idea. Yeah, I think my notes probably would have said uh, at the top of the page, press record, and then there would have been a big line that said, edit, good, and then uh, at the end it would have said, stop recording. Stop recording, uh, print it to tape. <laughs> yeah, nice. All nice. right, so then what What should one expect once they're actually in film school? Uh, what they should expect is that they're not going to be shooting all the time. Everyone thinks that when they go to film school, shoot, 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 shoot. Um, now you'll work on people's projects. Uh, you'll there'll be projects outside of of your classes that you can work on. Um, side projects, you know. I shot more with Burncrant Six One Six and with my own with projects outside of my classes than I did in my classes. Um, you know, I took an editing class. I took a screenwriting class. Um, Everyone thinks that when they go to film school, they're going to get access to these great cameras and going to be able to go shoot whatever they want. No, at least at USC, it's much more structured than that because they want you to be an overall well-rounded filmmaker. Yeah, and um, it's not like you have free reign over the stuff or even like the places. I mean, we kind of did our own thing because we had 
friends and I had that had cameras and I had yeah. a camera, but like, and then we wouldn't necessarily get permits. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Shoot stuff. But when it comes to like what's actually required of you at school, it is very structured. You have to like check yeah. out equipment. You have to get permits. Um, you have to uh, get insurance if you're going to do stuff like some of the bigger projects and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't think I did more shoots as well outside of my actual mm-hmm. classes. And I think that's something to be prepared for is trying to be proactive about uh, getting on shoots because, yeah, I mean, when you're on the shoots, I feel like you learn more than you do in the classroom just because it's more practical you can read read the theory in the books and stuff, but then once you get once you get there and you see like, oh yeah, this problem arose. Oh yeah, it arose again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's something that I should take care of earlier, or like you know stuff like that comes up and it just becomes more practical. Yeah, and also like it's very when you do get a camera in your hand, it's very structured. At least at USC, um, you know they want they don't want you to jump right in. They want you to learn the slow way, and so I feel that on other shoots it was like. Okay, well, I'll learn the slow way in class, but here I'm going to experiment a little more. Like for me, my biggest production class and Alex's biggest production class, the first one we had, the first thing we had to shoot was in camera edit, which means everything had to be sequential. You can edit outside of the camera. So it's like, do this, you know, rehearse this whole thing, do the first take, stop the camera, move the camera, next action. It wasn't like out of sequence. Annoying, yes. But I totally get why they did it, and I did that in class, and then I went out and shot you know, a 30-minute episodic uh, television show, and it was like, this is all over the place, because this is our location. We have to shoot three scenes here that are all different times in the script. Um, so there's yeah. positive and negatives of both. Yeah, and I think uh, another thing to expect that I, I, I guess, I, I don't know what I really thought going into it, but... Um, you're not learning things in sort of like a way, an order that makes sense, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, you're taking a cinematography class and then you're taking like a screenwriting class. And then like yep. two semesters later, you're taking like uh, an editing class and then like the second cinematography class. It's like, it's not in any order that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's just all over the place. And so you have to kind of like combine everything to make uh, like linear sense in your brain in terms of like, oh yeah, I do this. And then it works this way, and then yeah. it work with this. Um, so. Especially because it's all—it's it, not like you're given a—you're given just a, a, a list of classes you have to take, not right. in what order you have to take them. Right. So my first class was a cinematography class. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I, my I—I I feel like I wasted my cinematography class completely. Really. It was one of my first classes too, and I knew so little about it. Yeah. That um and none of it made sense to me or like I didn't understand why we were learning certain things and uh it also I guess didn't help that we were at the time shooting on film Ooh. and so it was like I couldn't necessarily see the effects of what I was doing immediately so I didn't know I was just kind of guessing. Yeah. Um yeah, I I would give you that. I I did appreciate who'd you have? Chris Komen. Okay, I had Robert Bello. Um, I did appreciate he, he's, you know, what I appreciate Robert Bello is that we shot on film 
and we always shot. Every class we were shooting something, testing yeah. footage and all that. But our assignments away were not just like, okay, look at this or watch this. It was like go out with a camera and do some compositions. Uh, you know, it was like side by side. He's like, I like want a still camera. Yeah, you know, I was like, I want hmm. all. Where'd this- you get the still camera? I mean, it was a digital camera. I mean, it was, uh, it was just I had one. Um, he said you could rent them. You could rent them if you wanted, um, or borrow friends. He said, but it was like you know, give me a shot with everything in the the same size, and then give me a shot of you know contrasting size sides size within the same shot and stuff like that. And it was like okay, I could see this composition because you had to go find this out in yeah. on, on campus. It was like I want all the same color. I want contrasting colors, and you'd have to you know you'd have to go. Find a, a tree that was, you know, had orange leaves on it with green grass and stuff like that. And so I really appreciated that because outside, because it comes down to it's like when you get a film camera, it's no different than a still camera if you're trying to build a shot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also found that um, even after I took the cinematography class, I still like uh, leaned more towards using just like available light. Yeah. And making it look as good as I could. Yeah. Um, which is not a bad thing. But um, what I found frustrating was when I did add light, it seemed terrible. It was like overlit. You know, it was like I didn't know how to use it properly at the time. So it was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had that too. I When I was directing a part, it was like my motivations for the light were so were off. Yeah. So it was like I did a shot of a guy outside looking through a window inside. And then I did the close up and the lighting was changed cuz I wanted to get the detail on the on the like the face or something like that. Right. And he's like, "Wait a second. Why did the light just all of a sudden change between these two shots?" I was like, "Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty bad at that." Whoops. Yep. yep. Whoopsie daisy. Yeah. So um yeah, and 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 also realize you're you're if you go to a university that is a, you know, four-year university, you're going to have to take non-film classes. Yeah, and you're going to have a lot of homework. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of studying. Yeah. Um, I took uh, Renaissance art. I took psychology. I took guitar. I took, you know, it's like those are just the things you have to take. Yeah. I think we had, did you have to take a language? Yep. I took, uh, I took French. Ooh, wee wee. Oh. I took Spanish. Um, but yeah, I had to take, I, it was one of those challenges though. I always tried to find like the thing that was most like related, you know, like one of the things yeah. was like Japanese film and fiction. Yep. I took, uh, or like musical, uh, like Broadway musicals and film. Yeah. Musicals. I tried to keep as closely. I, I mean, I took psychology because I, I always been interested in psychology. I've always told, uh, my wife that if I wasn't in film, I'd either be a psychologist, which could may, maybe help me understand my own self. Yeah. Um, yes. Or like a, like a carpenter or something or like a chef or something like that. But I have always been in, 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 like, what if you were a food psychologist? Whoa. Get in the mind of the, of the, chili of the pita. <laughs> I'm glad we can amuse ourselves. Um, but I like psychology, so I took that. But I also figured that if I took psychology, it would be help me break down characters more and build characters better in my films. Yeah. Um, but it, it was always one of those things where it was always in the back of my mind. I was like, how can this help me with film? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some classes that were just unavoidable. Where, you know, like I ended up taking earthquakes or uh, oceanography <laughs> or like arts of Asia from antiquity to 1300. Yeah, I took Japanese history and stuff like that because I took Japanese in high school. So, I mean, yeah, but I get I it. Think, uh, it. And... You do end up, I mean, as 
one would at a university. You end up spending a lot of time at the library, yep. um, study groups, prepping for your tests and stuff yep. because, um, you know, half your grade is like one test. Yep. Or and something. So, yeah. Oof. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a doozy. Um, and so there's a lot of distractions, I would say. When, well, uh, when you're. Well, I mean, okay, we're talking about studying and non film classes. But I'm talking about that being a distraction. Yeah, but, but it's also there's other distractions. Yeah, I was gonna say like let's not just say that oh like classes work and being a good student is a distraction. There is a lot of drinking. There is, yeah. Um, and just parties in general. I didn't actually really partake in the drinking so much when I was there. Um, um, yeah, for my mother, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I mean, you were involved in uh, improv. Yep, I did improv. I, I was in. I was in said TV show that we yep. both were working on. Yep, and I did uh, intramural sports. Um, I, you know, it's funny because I lived my whole college career. I lived with people who weren't film guys, so it was like it's easier when you're surrounded by people who are filmed to be doing film and talking film all the time. But yeah. I lived with people that were like, you know, we had Madden tournaments and we, we, you know, played pickup basketball and all that. And it's just, you're, you're finally away from your parents maybe for the first time. And so life just gets, becomes a distraction. Like, yeah. like for me, I had never been to Los Angeles aside from when I was a little kid going to Disneyland until the day I came for, uh, um, orientation so it was like to me it was like oh los angeles let's do this um and so uh it was more of a just the distractions of not only the drinking and the partying and the hanging out with friends but just life in general like yeah, yeah. film is awesome and i knew i wanted to do that for the rest of my life but at the same time i was young and in a new city and i just wanted to explore plus uh because of all said distractions uh including the the studious ones mm-hmm. uh one should expect to uh, have a strange sleep schedule and perhaps not get enough yeah. sleep all the time. Man. And that translates as well when you're doing a lot of projects. I mean, yeah. you know, staying up late. Um, did you work for Trojan Vision? Like at the I worked for studio? a little bit, yeah. I, I, saw, I was cameraman for a couple shows um, nice. and all that. Did you? Yeah, I, was, I produced... Uh, I was an associate producer of the talk show. Oh, okay. And then, I think that's still going on, actually. And then I produced some other shows. One was like a stand-up comedy show. Oh, nice. Uh, for those who don't know, USC has its own TV station, uh, local TV station called Trojan Vision TV. Ha-ha. <laughs> Nailed yep. it. Yep. Um, and they students can work on it. Um, students you do work on it. Um, it the, Trojan Vision is run by adults, but... Um, most of the programming and all that is run by uh, students. Yeah. Um, starring students, shot by students, produced by students. Uh, the TV show that we worked on that Alex was uh, a star of was uh, the first uh, scripted show on Trojan Vision. Yes, it was. Um, and so we did that as well. Um, so, yeah, Trojan yeah. Vision was a great opportunity. I did a couple stuff on that, a couple things on that, yeah. Yeah. I think um, – because I wasn't in the film school yet um, – the one of the guys who came on the talk show mm-hmm. to be interviewed yeah. was the director of uh, Final Destination and Snakes on a Plane. Oh, nice! And I just went up to him and asked him to write my letter of recommendation, 
for the film school. And he was like, sure. Nice. <laughs> Nailed it. And look where we are now. Look where we are now. <laughs> Still asking people to do stuff for us for yeah, no I reason. I know, I know, I know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say that's what you expect. You got life, you've got classes, you've got non-film classes, and you've got film classes that aren't necessarily shooting all the time. It's theory. It's uh, script yeah. writing. It's watching a lot of movies. Watching I mean, a lot of movies. Which is great. I mean, I yeah. love that part of it because you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if you skip the theory part, you're actually you're doing yourself like a huge disservice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I You know, it's funny because a lot of people like – We'll say, oh, what were you? Were you screenwriting? Were you production? Were you critical studies? Uh, we were both Alex and I were critical studies, and because of how much I worked on stuff outside of class, I don't feel I missed out on anything being critical studies. I actually feel I got a better idea of the theory of film and and like why things are done the way they are, why the stories progress the way they progress, and I actually appreciate it. Yeah, and some would say that we actually had more opportunities to do uh, better stuff. Yeah. Because exactly. we didn't have the all the the requirements of the other the strict programs. rigors the strict rigors of of, of being a production student. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So let's see what uh, what what should people expect to get out of it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, one is for we've talked about this before when we said the pros and cons of going to film school. For me, the biggest thing is networking. We work with and talk with. A lot of the people we went to film school with. Um, yeah. It's, it's with, without a doubt, every other day I'll be like, Alex will be like, hey, do you remember this guy from film school? Or do you, do you just reached out to me. Or I'll say, hey, Alex, you remember this person from film school? I'm just, I, I, I hit him up on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook uh, to talk about this project because they are working at this and they're working with this person. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big community, but it's a small community, the, the, film, the film world. And so the money, the amount of people you can meet early on and keep in t- touch with them, the, the better. Yeah, and even people that um, you didn't know. Yeah. Um, that are alumni of the same school. Mm-hmm. You you end up having like a common connection, and you can sort of like chat about things because you know, like for example, we had some young whippersnappers come into our studio <laughs> to rent some equipment for from us for a, a class project, and they both are at USC right now and we you know had fun kind of like talking about the classes they're taking and yeah and because it's the same stuff i mean they're still doing the same type of stuff that we were doing just in a better uh, building with better equipment better building with better equipment those bastards, bastards. Um. Uh, <laughs> so you know and there's just like a common connection in immediate like conversation point yep um that can help you and i mean I utilized that while I was at USC. I got my first job uh, just because I was at USC and contacted a guy that was a speaker in one of our classes. And I ended up getting on a Nickelodeon show as a behind-the-scenes camera operator. That you were quickly shut down on. That I quickly got <laughs> fired from because I wasn't union. Uh, but it was fun nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. But then I think along with networking – experimentation oh, oh like pillow fights in the sorority house yeah. <laughs> yeah that is what you should definitely want to get out of no yeah that's um, uh, that's another distraction um the experimentation aspect is like at that point in your life you're not expected 
There's not a whole lot that's expected from you. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, <laughs> and, and if you're at a, the point in my analysis life, stuff still isn't expected from you. <laughs> no, it's expected from us, but we just don't do it. There you go. We don't deliver. Um, but I think you have this huge opportunity that a lot of people kind of squander, which is you have access to stuff. You have an a, like a reason to be making things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you end up being afraid of sort of stepping out of the box because you don't want to, you want to like fit within the, the lines of whatever the teacher has set for you, or you don't want to like seem like a crazy person to your peers or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's like, that's the time to do it and, um, you know, get that stuff out of your system and like figure out what you like and what you don't like and, and sort of like. Do the weird things that you you want to do that you won't really be able to do outside of film school because then it's going to be really hard to like rally people around your weird shit. It's actually funny that you say it's going to be really hard to do because <laughs> this brought up a really good point and made me remember something. Uh, so one of our uh, story ideas for our proposal that we're putting out. Remember, I was talking to you about let's you know it's it's a good idea. But let's make it a little bit better and mess with people's minds by messing with time. Yeah. So in my one of my projects, because it was like, you know, nothing's expected of you um, and you can experiment a little bit. I messed with time. I messed with like actions happening in non-sequential order and things, you know, moving around differently. And, oh, guess what? This isn't, you know, nothing's going to expect it. And, and I remember being like, you know, what? I'm just going to try this. Uh, be a cool way to tell the story. And I remember when I had this like moment where this long story short, the, my female character like tripped back and cracked her head open. And I remember like the reveal of that because the time had been moving around and all that. And the sound effect, everyone like in the, in my class who were watching was just like, <gasps> and I was like, Ooh, yeah, nailed it. Um, nice. so that, but so yeah, Alex says you can experiment with things that you can't do later in life. But at the same time, if you, you could experiment with things and realize, you know what? I really like doing this. I'm really, I really can, you know, garner a different reaction than I would have. Um, you can bring that into your stories and your filmmaking later in life and later in your career. Yeah. And I guess what I, what I was trying to get at is you shouldn't be afraid to fail. Exactly. Um, you know, because it's, it's, it's inevitable that your early stuff is going to be garbage yeah. compared to what you do later. Yeah. I mean, it just is. And then, uh, you know, like most of my stuff, uh, at the time, the uh, the students and the teachers were like, "Oh, this looks really good." Yeah. Uh, but my oh. stories made no goddamn sense. <laughs> well, the one I was in made sense. I know what story it came out of. Right. If you knew what story it was supposed <laughs> to be, true. it made sense. But if yeah. you did not, you were like, "What is happening? Why is this homeless guy chasing so, an animal down the hallway?" Uh, so dark. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, but well, yeah. yeah. Explain to me um, your in-camera edit where you had me opening the plastic on a CD case, only to reveal that there was no plastic on it, and yet I did not know. Yeah. And at some point, spit out fake plastic. Right. What was the What was the thought behind that? Uh, that was That was a deep telling of. Uh, <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> that was That was uh, That was, <laughs> that was a, a commercial deep... for pet potato. <laughs> <early> <laughs> on. Yeah, uh-huh. it was a it was a commentary on adolescent disappointment. Ah, okay. And uh yeah. and boundaries. I couldn't get my Puff Daddy CD open. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, you no, know, but yeah, I, I totally I totally agree with you. It's 
it's you can't fail. Well, you can fail in school, but you can't fail turning something in that you you gave you took a risk on. Um, they actually yeah. applaud it. Yeah, exactly. They, you got to realize that these professors. Now, I will say that one of the uh, advantages or just one of the joys of going to USC is the professors that you're surrounded with. So my professor for one of my film classes was uh, William Fraker, who was the DP of Rosemary's Baby, Bullet, um, I mean, just tons. Um, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Just tons of movies and big name movies. And, you know, they had, when he passed away, unfortunately, they had a huge memorial for him. I mean, he was he was a legend, and I was lucky enough to uh, learn under him. Um, they see, you know, they see 20, 30 student film shorts a year. And so they actually are probably welcoming a little different take on things, not the uh, same yeah. old, you know. I'm sure they're just like shot reverse shot. Yeah, oh yeah. They 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 want they, they want that they want that, something that, yeah, a little, unique. A little something. Totally. Yep. Uh I'd also say that I didn't I had no thought process about this as I was making things, but like putting together a reel. Yeah. Um having something at the end of my time at USC that I could be like, look, this is what I did and try to get to the next step. I really put no thought into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, because I did a mix of so many things, yeah. it was really hard to put a reel together because it's like, oh, I produced this thing. I produced this thing. Uh, but as for directing, oh, yeah, I have these two things. Yeah. So I had like a ton of different stuff that was all disconnected and not uh, you know, of the same yeah. skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't have what I would have called like a reel that I was happy with yeah. to show people. When it came to directing, especially. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, especially coming out of school, though, a reel is a reel. Like, it's better than nothing. Um, yeah. But it it definitely is not connected. <laughs> no, but if you actually, if you're thinking about it and it's like, oh, what, and it goes back to the beginning, like thinking about your voice and what you have to say. Yeah. If you, if you have planned ahead that far. Yeah. And you know, then you can sort of like create some kind of consistency with that. So that your reel seems complete by the end of it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is like a body of work that makes sense together. Yeah. Um, and that just helps sell you when you're, out of, when you're out of school. Yeah. Or even when you're in school and trying to get that job right out of school. Um, and also, you know, we talk about like, oh, well, you have to be in certain classes to get access to equipment at USC. But you still get that access to the equipment when you're in class. And also, I was able to get access to powerful editing computers when I wasn't in class yeah um just because they kind of go in there you know it's a student looking over the computers and you just go in there say you're taking a class and you sit down and you have a computer that is up to industry standards and you can edit whatever you want so i would edit things on my own um yeah they're not looking over your shoulder and wondering what you're doing um they're just you know they're just trying to make a buck as a student so i would yeah. edit on avid uh you know which is at the time you know it's still kind of considered the standard I, it was the industry standard editing um, software and I would edit on that uh, whenever I wanted to. I could go in at two in the morning and edit, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, there's other avenues too. It's like I'm sure they frown upon this, but like, oh, you have sure. a buddy 
who's yeah. in a class making yeah. a film, and then it's like you kind of team up with them and have him sort of produce a project that you yeah. want to do, and then you you know take that equipment and make your own thing. I think they frown upon. I, I think it's an unwritten rule that they know everyone does it. I mean, why would they squander it that much? Yeah, I think they just need to meet because you. What happens is you have you sign up for like an insurance thing when you get the class. It's cheap, but yeah. it covers. The camera, so they just don't want people not in class using it who don't have the insurance. Right. So that's why you get your buddy to produce it, and he has the insurance. Right. Um, and it's, I mean, they I totally also, know. I like how uh, we and other people yeah. talk about the access to film equipment at a yeah. film school. When really it's like for the majority of things, we're talking like a digital camera that is yeah. you know, pretty inexpensive. And a light kit. Yeah. And like that. I mean, it. it's not like we had access to a jib and a dolly. And I remember no, when I was. I think we could have probably somehow, some way, but yeah, not, I don't for, know. not for the stuff that we were really yeah, doing. I remember using a wheelchair as a dolly and having someone push me around with a camera rested on my big fat gut because it would stabilize it. Yeah. Um, I just used like the tripod dolly for one shot and just pushed the do- the, the tripod across yeah. like the, the floor. Yeah. Um, and so and using the old towel method, oh, the towel yeah. slider. Shit, yeah, that <laughs> bring me back. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, even when we went to USC, which is expensive and all that, we didn't have you know, Reds or uh, Alexas that we were shooting on, um, and we didn't have you know, uh, a giant you know sky panel kit that we could use. I don't think they even today have access to that kind of stuff. I think uh, the guys that stopped by to check out our equipment said they're shooting on FS7s, um, which are great cameras. Yeah. 4K. And they're renting um, lights from us instead of yeah. using the stuff at the school. Exactly. So, so um, you do get access to the equipment, but don't think that it's going to be high, high, high-end equipment because they're pretty sure that students are going to break it. So <laughs> they don't want to invest yeah. a ton of money into it. Yep. Uh, so finally, what would you have done differently, Alex, if you were to start film school now knowing all you know? Man, if I... I, well, I would just do more, more than I did. Yeah. Uh, just because, well, like in every aspect of, of that, I would do, I would read more scripts. Um, I would yep. uh, write more scripts. Yep. I would shoot more stuff. Yeah. Uh, I would direct more stuff. I feel like the one thing that I did a lot of, that I did plenty of, was producing, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, it's good to have that skill and, like, understand how the entire film, like, kind of comes together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I would have done more of sort of, like, the the creative aspects because, um, you know, that's more in line with what I realized now that I want to do. At the time, yeah. I was like, oh, I'll be a producer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check me out. But, Act a producer. Uh, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with all that. More, 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 more. One thing that I would have done differently, and I think you took advantage of this, is I didn't do an internship when I was at USC. I had Garbage, to work. Don't need it. <laughs> I know, but I still would have liked to have been in the in, like working in somewhat in the industry while I was still in school. I I was working, I think, twenty to thirty hours a week at a work study job um, and all that stuff. And I wish I would have taken more time to, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you did coverage for what Lionsgate or uh, Dimension. The Weinstein Miramax, Company. Miramax. Uh, Dimension, the Weinstein Company. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, sucky and all that, but still, I probably would have liked to do that just to kind of get an idea of everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I probably would agree with that. I didn't like my internship. 
but I'm sure there are plenty of other good internships out there. Yeah, and you never know if those internships could lead to a full-time job um, if you find the right one. Um, and I just never never looked for one because I didn't have a car. I didn't have time. Um, yeah. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. I also wish um, – and this is one of those things that seems a little hokey maybe. Um, but it's surprising how often – like if you talk to – Old timers uh-huh. in the industry, or even you know, just like people that are older than you. A, a lot camera. of times, yeah. A lot of times, you'll find that they had mentors, you know, yeah, that sort of helped them and guided them through the you know the industry. I wish I would have found someone to be a mentor and um, sort of utilize that uh, possibility to help you know me along the way here's my biggest freaking regret of film school i you know i always wondered what my biggest regret was and here i i think now that you mentioned having a mentor i think my biggest regret and i think i screwed up pretty handily doing this mm-hmm. yep um was was partnering with you <laughs> yeah. yeah no big time big time um one is i didn't search out my mentors i had a really good relationship with william fraker um the DP I talked about earlier and he was a friendly guy and he was a very well warm and welcoming guy and would always sit. I remember sitting with him after class because I used to love watching Turner classic movies and American cinema, uh, the AMC American movie channel. And he was shocked by that. Somebody my age or like our generation would watch the old movies. Cause he said, you got to watch the old ones. And so I would talk to him for hours about old movies, um, and I never, after school, kept that relationship going. Yeah. And that also being said, one of my screenwriting professors was Mardik Martin. Um, for those who don't know who Mardik Martin is, he is uh, best friends with Martin Scorsese. He wrote Raging Bull. He wrote New York, New York, as well as a ton of other movies. So I had him for my final screenwriting uh, class, and in that class we had to write the first act of a movie. Um, he told me as our at our final meeting that I was the only one in class getting an A because I was the only one who proved upon the script every time he gave notes. And he told me, he's like, I really hope you keep up with this and let me know how this script goes. And I never did. And I was like, you know, here's Mardik Martin, a legend, <laughs> yeah. who wants me to continue writing this script. And I never did because I just was like, okay, I'm done. I got to look for a job now and blah, blah, blah. And I just forgot about it. And I wish I would have kept up with those two guys because not only would they have just been awesome to keep in touch with but i feel they would have made me a better filmmaker and a screenwriter yeah and i think um as a student you often sort of like disconnect yourself from the the professors a lot because you think it's like well they're like up there you're down below like watching and there's like a ton of you Mm -hmm. so like why would they be interested in like talking to you yeah um but I, I think that's just not true. I mean, I mean, it doesn't hurt to see. And if they ignore you, then they ignore you. And it was true that they just are yeah. too busy or don't care. Uh, Peter yeah. Berg would have been another one to keep in touch with. <laughs> yeah. Or Peter Exline. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Peter Exline. Peter Exline. Peter Berg is the, the director who I have no connection to. Peter <laughs> Exline was an amazing professor. I love that guy. Yeah, he was uh, the person who, the dude from... Uh, uh, the Big Lebowski? The Big Lebowski was based on. I think it was, I think it was his friend, but he had some stories 
that no. it was. Was it? It was him, 100%. Oh, man. He's the dude. He's the dude. I thought, I thought, I know that he, the, he had a bunch of stories that made it into the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, tie, the, the rug tying it all together was one of his stories. <laughs> and uh, the homework in the car. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Peter X line. Oh, man. Um, okay, so that's going to do it about film school. Um, you know what? I would recommend it. Um, it's not for everyone. I totally get why people don't do it. You don't necessarily need it. But it does make you focus on film for four years. Yeah. Um, and get you in, surrounded by people who are focusing on it as well. Exactly. Uh, so what's cool, Alex? What's cool? Let's get to all, all, you know, speaking of the industry now, let's get about cool stuff. Cool stuff. Cool, all right. Cool. cool. Um, let's see. I found the Xylite F8 200. Mm, tell me more. So Xylite is a company that makes LED lights. Okay. Which, as you all know, I'm a big fan of. Alex loves his LEDs. So the F8 line, they already mm-hmm. have an F8 out there. Um, okay. I believe that stands for an 8-inch Fresnel. Okay. Um, and the new one is 200 watts. It's a 200 watt. Uh, CRI of 93. Okay. Um, you know, dimmable, the whole deal. It's got like a real Fresnel lens in front of it, which is nice. instead of like the strange... Yeah. You know, Delium. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got an output that's like similar to like a 2K. Okay. Which is not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, and they have the bicolor and then they have other like, you know, 3200 Kelvin uh, versions as well. And it's like 2500 bucks. My thing about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh oh, here it comes. It's like. Everyone, I feel like, is making their version of the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cheaper. Like, Xylite's a, a good brand. Yeah. I like some of their stuff. Uh, they haven't necessarily, like, uh, broken through, I don't think, to be, like, a staple mm-hmm. of anyone's, you know... Kit. Kit. Yeah. But um, maybe maybe overseas they are. I don't know. But... Um, my thing is like there's plenty there's so many like 200 watt Fresnels and I believe there's I probably several that have like more the higher CRI than 93 yeah or um have higher output and stuff like that so it's like why why waste why not try and do something why not that's... do something different but hey whatevs I mean no I get it like why why go into a not just a field but a a, a product that there's so many out there instead of trying to do something new that will set you apart from everything else. Yeah. Maybe they just think they can do it better and cheaper, but I don't know. Um, $2,500 I don't think is cheaper. No, but yeah. I know. And so that, then the question becomes why? Because, yeah. I mean, you'd think a lot of companies would do it because they think they can make it cheaper and just as good, but if this is not cheaper, like $2,500 is not Yeah. The one, the one thing... Um, they all have one thing that's like this is one thing that sets it apart. But the is it one worth thing it? that it has that I don't, uh, you know, I don't think anyone else does okay. is the form factor. Um, it's like really thin. Yeah, it's weirdly thin for a Fresnel. Yeah. Um, so it's and it's just small for like a two K output. So you know. In that way, it's good. It's space saver. If you have to get up right, right up against the wall or something, mm-hmm. you don't have this big honking yeah. Fresnel. Because a lot of the 200-watt Fresnels are large. 
Yeah. Um, so that's it. And that's good. But, yeah. You know, I don't know if I would necessarily like jump at it right away. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd give it some consideration. I mean, it looks, it looks good, but ah, there's just so many out there. It's like, it's almost like, do you want to, you just got to find the right family of lens of uh, lights that you like. Cause that, and then just buy all that, that. Right. Yeah. And that, that's up to the user individual basis. Um, I got The Devil in the White City. Uh, this is a book that was about H.H. H. Holmes, who's, I would say, one of America's first serial killers. He was killing in Chicago when the World's Fair was coming there and the Ferris wheel was being invented. The book is fantastic. Dude was twisted. Yeah. Twisted, twisted, twisted. He did all sorts of weird stuff. He had, you know, it's like, it was like a Jack the Ripper meets uh, Sweeney Todd. He had like trap doors where he'd put bodies down, uh, you know, Usually get people that nobody would know were missing and kill them. Um, he was he had like he was a physician and a pharmacist. He was just a twisted man, and he was using the uh, the upcoming World's Fair where there'd be so many people uh, to just kill Hide the fact that people are missing and just kill kill at whim. Um, and originally it was uh, going to be a movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Fantastic casting after. What he did in Glorious Bastards, and directed by Martin Scorsese. Big fan, love the pairing. We'll see anything that guy makes with him in it. Was Leonardo DiCaprio in Glorious Bastards? No, did I say Glorious Bastards? Sorry, yeah. um, uh, Django Unchained. Oh, uh, Django. Django. He plays as the Candyman. He's fantastic. So I think he played an amazing villain. Um, yeah, Jesus and Glorious Bastards. Sorry, guys. Uh, it's late and I'm tired. Um, but now it's going to be a Hulu series. Yeah, and they're both going to still be involved. But here's the deal: something that it, it, have you read the book? No, you, uh, I've I've seen a documentary about it. If you want to borrow it, I, I'll let you have it. Um, it is a complex book, and it's one of those things where sometimes these books just like trying to cram that all into a movie just seems so stupid because it's so rich that it needs like four to six episodes. Yeah, because it can do you can do wonders with it. So I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, so yeah. yeah, I feel like Hulu's stepping up their game. Hulu is stepping up their game. Stuff, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. It's exciting. Yep. All right. Let's see. I got the Ushio. Nice. Color Max LEDs. You are on a lighting kick. Yeah. You know, I just play the cards that are dealt. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are interesting. They are tubes mm. for, uh, divas. Okay. Um, so they're kind of like your twin tube, um, fluorescent style um light bulb but uh they're led instead of uh fluorescent so they're brighter much brighter i think maybe three times almost nice brighter uh more color accurate because if any of you have used kinos particularly divas or like (sighs) barflies and stuff um the tubes aren't as color accurate as you know one might think. Yeah, you, you're expecting a CRI of at least 92 in anything that comes out these days. Yeah, but I think uh, what happens is, you know, if if not immediately, over time, uh, Kino tubes tend to sort of degrade and lose their color. Yeah. Um, so you have to constantly switch out the bulbs or the tubes. I know um, that uh, they say that Kino flow usually is like 90 to 88 CRI or something like that with the tubes. Yeah. 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 Um, so these are just, you know, you don't have to do anything to, uh, 
the fixture itself, you just pop it in uh, the new tubes, and they're like thirty bucks a piece. So, and how do you? Is it all app based to to change the colors on them? There's no, it's not color changing. Oh, I know called, the the. Uh, I was gonna say like I'm looking at it right now. It's like Color it, Max. Color Max. It's yeah. deceiving. Yeah. But no, you just buy the tube that gotcha. is like either thirty two hundred or gotcha. six hundred. Gotcha. Um, they dim. They do the whole the whole shebang. Uh, but which is great if you like your your diva fixture and you just want to get a get rid of that freaking green Kino diva hue. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. The color max threw me off. I was thinking, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, no. yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. I think if I had some divas, I'd probably uh, jump on that. Yeah, because I mean, what four tubes in a diva? Yeah, or uh, two, depending on yeah, what diva I mean, you have. Big big diva four. So thirty, you're looking at like 120 bucks to upgrade your diva and make them brand new again. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Nice. Right. Yeah, I'll okay. take it. I'll take it. Um, I have the Steadicross magnetic camera stabilizer. So everyone uh, these yeah. days is talking about, you know, uh, gimbals with uh, motors on it, and and you know, got your battery pack for it and all this. This one is a electric and battery less gimbal. Gimbal. Yeah, yeah. I was I was trying to try and say a better way of saying batteryless, but uh, Sans battery and electronics. Um, yeah. it uses magnets to stabilize. Yeah, um, yeah, sure it does, <laughs> and probably smoke and mirrors too. Um, and alien technology. Um, so that it, is magnets. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, you know, it's similar to a three-axis gimbal. Um, it's got the handles on the side. It can hold a camera up to three point five pounds, uh, three and a half pounds for those who don't use uh, decimal points. Um, and it doesn't have any batteries. It doesn't need any electricity, so it doesn't, you know, wear out of you in the middle of a shoot. Um, you know, the, it's a magnetic rotor, and it's counterweights, and it has a three-legged tripod built into the base, so you can just put it down. And even better, it's only three ninety nine. But if you jump in the Indiegogo campaign, it's only two forty nine. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. I I like. It in theory, uh huh. My biggest problem with it, or like I guess one of the biggest benefits of the other kind, is that you can use it as like a remote head on other things. Yes. So yeah, you could add it to a jib, or you could add it to a hell even, or, or like you can a, some of them you can add onto on a, a, a drone, on a car, and do it on a drone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, missing it has, out on that. Missing out on that, but for three ninety nine. Yeah, but I my again my problem is like for three ninety nine you could get you could get a gimbal. That's true. Um, you know maybe like one of those the Chinese like single handed gimbals or something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting idea. I like the idea. Like the idea of not having to uh, change batteries ever is great. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'd be curious to see side by side. In different scenarios, like how how it performs. Yeah, I think one drawback that I have is that because it is magnets, the the balancing, the calibration when you put a camera on it takes a little bit because you have to like calibrate it based on weight and getting everything even and all that, rather than like a gimbal that will add, auto like find the the center and yeah. do it and do it everything. Um, but I just really like the idea of no batteries. Um, yeah, that's nice. It's it's. I'll take it. That's nice. But, I mean, you could also get, like, a, a glide cam or something. True. True. Um, one of one of the biggest drawbacks is that it can't be around my floppies, my floppy disks. 
or my my giant hard drives <laughs> and my VHS tapes, or it will ruin, ruin, erase them. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's 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 something to consider, um, especially if you are on like a remote shoot where you don't have access to power or batteries. Yeah, definitely something to consider, though. I, I'd I'd be interested in giving it a chance and, and checking it out. Um, it's from Steady Cross. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's see. Oh yeah. Uh, filmocracy. Ah yes, we I, were having I a discussion heard, about I this read earlier. About this. Um, it is a Kickstarter right now. Okay. Um, they're attempting to create a a streaming platform that is gamified. AKA you sort of like watch movies, rate them on a much more like finite level in terms of like cinematography, yeah. performances, directing, like all that kind of stuff. Social interaction. Um, and you compete with your friends. Yeah. You earn virtual currency, which yeah. they use popcorn as their virtual <laughs> currency and you unlock accomplishments. And basically the way it works, I think is, um, they use the virtual currency. They pay out um, people for their participation in virtual currency that then they can use to like purchase um, actual popcorn actual movies, well, oh, like the movies, you know, or like okay. pay for pay for their um, subscription, gotcha, and stuff like that. Because okay. the way I saw it break down is fifty uh, percent of the revenue goes to the filmmakers. That's not bad. And forty percent goes to the platform, and okay. then the ten percent goes to the consumers who actually participate in the in the gamification. That's not elements. bad. That's not bad. I'm not exactly sure how it works or how it'll work. I mean, I think they're trying to, you know, encourage people. It's like encouraging to, them to like watch more stuff. And yeah, like and become more involved and interactive and, and, and make like a so. I mean, everything things and like. Everything's based around everyone wants a social network um, yeah. these days, like fearlessfilmmaker.com. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it's all about trying to keep people in your platform as long as possible because you can sell data. So then they could they're probably going to sell data on like what people like to watch and and sell that to like some kind of you know sales agent or marketing or people like that. Um, but yeah. it, they just want to keep people inside their own products. Yeah, that's uh. It's interesting. And also another interesting aspect of it is they pay out the filmmakers based on their watch time. Like how much how many minutes oh. of of their projects have been consumed compared to other people's. Interesting. Projects. So interesting. I don't know, something to to look out for. They're on Kickstarter right now. I think they just launched. Um and they're about halfway to their goal. Okay. Okay. All right. Not bad. Not bad. Well, my final one is the Roadcast Podcasting Competition. Right up our alley. Except that it is a competition for one to two minute podcasts. And guess what? That's not us. Um, yeah. That's going to be a toughie. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it. Well, we have some other podcast ideas, but. Um, we should do a two minute podcast uh, about us deciding what to podcast about for two minutes. I wonder if we can do multiple would, entries. And then it would yeah. cut off halfway through yeah. because it would take us more than two minutes to decide. Absolutely. If we can do multiple entries, actually, maybe you can do one and I can do one. We should do one like that. That is just fantastic. Um, yeah, that may just be laughed out of the room, though. <laughs> but so you uh, enter one to two minute podcast. It could be about anything you want, anything your little heart desires. You upload it to Rode um, and uh, what you win. 
What do you win? The ultimate major winner prize pack is a Roadcaster Pro Podcast Production Studio, which nice. me likey. Yep. Uh, four pod mics, studio boom arms, XLR cables, interview kits, you know, uh, headphones, sound effects library, Adobe Creative Cloud membership for a year. Uh, you know, all this stuff. Uh, and then even the runner-up runner prize packs is uh, a pro podcast, pro podcast production studio, two mics, studio boom arm, uh, XLR cables. I mean, if you're starting a podcast or you already have a podcast that is somewhat popular, except for one asshole who gave you a one-star review on iTunes, Ugh. it could be helpful. Uh, yep. People's Choice prize pack is the same stuff. Uh, Roadcaster Pro Podcast Production Studio, PodMic. Uh, two pod mics, two boom arms, two XLR cables, all that stuff. Um, so it's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty uh, cool. It doesn't cost anything to, to enter. Um, and you should do it. Uh, we're going to do it. Um, we're going to probably enter a couple. Uh, we have some ideas, and so we'll see. And Alex just gave an idea that he gave away. For free. For free. So if you guys take- went on that, uh, we'll just take the uh, roadcaster. Ah, please. All right, that's good for me. How about you? Yep, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 41. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes like Rachel Drummond did and subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review like she did. Thank you so much again, Rachel. And if you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comment section. We'll try to answer them. And also, don't forget to head over to fearlessfilmmakers.com to join our growing community of filmmakers where you can talk to us, talk to other filmmakers, hit us up with messages, tell us how much you hate our voice, and you're never going to listen until the next podcast. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll see you over there. Cool. Later, guys. Peace.